You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, we are certainly getting closer to Sundays and football every week. The preseason is done. The regular season is just around the corner. And that means that it is time for John Boyle and I to give you what we know at this point in the season and start to really get excited about week one because we have seen that schedule. We've known it's out for a really long time. But now it actually feels real, John. It does. You know, we're... Less than two weeks away from the opener, we've seen the the preseason play out. The roster starting to take shape this week, so very exciting times. A lot going on. A lot to be excited about. See, I'm glad that you said it's exciting because I know that some other people have said that this is the most unanticipated Seahawks season in a long time. That it's uninteresting, and I'm going to say this: I think it is a very interesting season because there's so many unknowns. What we know right now is that the Seahawks made their initial cuts to the 53-man roster. It is set. doesn't mean that it's not going to change, but we do know a few things, and we know, John, that some of these guys played their way onto the roster in the preseason. Yeah, for sure. It's really fun to see the, the guys who come into camp. Maybe we look at them as just, you know, another guy at camp, and you don't think much of them, and then by the time – we get to this week, you know, I'm thinking of a guy like Miles Adams or Michael Jackson, where it's guys who maybe weren't on everyone's radar a month ago, but they just played so darn well in the preseason, played so well in training camp that here they are winning spots, at least on that initial 53-man roster. You know, it's funny because we meet with the coaching staff ahead of the preseason games, and we'll meet with John Schneider. And as a broadcast team, we're always very careful as to who we talk about and who we spotlight. Because you don't want to tip anybody else to maybe some of those guys flying under the radar. Michael Jackson, Miles Adams were two of those guys that we tried to kind of tiptoe around just a little bit on the broadcast. But at the end of the day, I don't think there was any question. Like, I, I don't think it was close for those guys. It was very clear they belonged here. Well, they both made it pretty hard for the broadcast not to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there is it, that too. <laughs> it, it is tough when the guys, you know, if you're, if you're trying to keep a guy under the radar, they, they played way too well for that. So, yeah, great to see stories like that play out. Just guys who, you know, again, they weren't the big names. They're not highly drafted guys, but they just went out and earned it. Talk about not highly drafted guys. Dariq Young is one of those guys that I still don't know where his university is. Lenore <laughs> Ryan, I probably should have looked that up, but he has always stood out to me from the moment that he stepped on the field for rookie camp and for OTAs. And I, I'm not surprised that Pete Carroll evaluated him as highly as he did after those three preseason games. He never looked like anything, but, but a guy that belonged, you know, regardless of where he came from, you know, and, and, uh, Few of us know where Lenore Ryan is. He just never looked like that. He looked like he belonged right from the day one. He's physically really fit. He's a big, strong kid, fast. He ran routes better than we thought he would. He was cleaning out of his breaks. 
Um, he's been strong at the catch. He's had, you know, some sometimes he needs to work on his catching the football a little bit better, but it's not because of he can't catch it. It's just because situations and getting banged around or whatever. He's, he's also a special teams guy. He's a really good blocker, and he really it really matters to him to be a physical player, and it showed up, and we just really liked him early on, and it was just is he going to be able to hold it throughout, you know, throughout camp, and he did. Hickory, North Carolina is your answer, Jen. That is where Lenore okay. Ryan is. I definitely did not just Google that. I've known that forever, for sure. Well, okay. <laughs> excuse me. I just Googled it, so I'm, excuse me. I, I, I hope the sarcasm came through there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's great to see a guy who he comes in, you think, you know, late seventh-round pick, small school a lot of us haven't heard of. You you kind of assume this guy's going to be raw. You, the athletic numbers were there, but at least for me, when I when I see that, I think, okay, this guy's a long way from ready. But as Pete Carroll went over, he just always looked like he fit in. He climbed the depth chart, and he he had a great camp. It's just fun to see stories like that of guys who are, you know, kind of from the unheralded school or for whatever reason they're at a smaller school, late draft pick, and then they come out and, and they show they belong. Well, and especially with the way that that wide receiving core is shaping up, right? I, I don't know um, – yeah, I don't know that we would have predicted it looked like this at the beginning of training camp because Freddie Swain was the third most productive receiver for the Seahawks last year. He was among the cuts when they made the 53-man roster and when they set those numbers. Uh, Bo Melton also didn't look the same, maybe as he was projected out of the draft. How much of a surprise is it that that wide receiver room looks the way it does, John? Yeah, I mean, I think we all could have pretty easily called the the trio of Metcalf, Lockett, and D. Eskridge being there. To me, Marquise Goodwin was a bit of a wild card coming in. He he took the 2020 season off uh, with his wife expecting a new baby and then, you know, didn't have a big year in 2021. And he, he's the kind of guy you look at his past production and he looks like he could be a really good player. But you also wonder, you know, at his age and the quieter year last year, he's also a guy who might not even make the team. But he was having a fantastic camp before he got hurt. So, by the time he did injure his hamstring, he looked like a pretty safe bet. But after those four, it was pretty wide open. And to your point, you know, Freddie Swain's been the number three guy uh, part of, you know, the last two seasons. But guys just beat him out. Guys played really well. Derek Young, um, you know, first and foremost among them. And then, you know, Penny Hart's a guy that I think kind of always flies under the radar. And maybe a lot of people didn't have him on the team. But what he does on special teams is so valuable. Yeah. He's a guy I kind of felt comfortable being on the roster all along. Yeah, and we'll get to another big surprise there in just a minute on the defensive side of things. You talk about that wide receiver room. It's not just about who is catching passes. It is also about how the iron sharpens iron. And you could say that Tariq Woolen, well, I got in a trial by fire going against some of the guys that he went with against in training camp. But I think it's only helped to serve him going into week one. Yeah, he can play. Yeah, and then it was almost almost poetic, you know, that he goes out there and gets whipped and struggles and misses a tackle and touchdown pass on a bus, you know, and all that. Right off the bat, it was like, even in that game, it was kind of like, okay, so this is what it could be like, you know. Let's fix everything up and get back to work, you know, and which he did in that game in particular. He came right back at it, you know, and then we, we played him a lot, you know. So you got a lot of reps and, and all uh, through the through – the, three games and he's been out here going against uh, Marquise and going against uh, DK and going against Tyler he he's hung in with all those guys and he, you know those guys are as fast or as good as you know and, and is really diverse kind of talent that you can go against him he's ready to go 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were talking about a small school guy in Derek Young, and, you know, UTSA is not a tiny school by any means, but it's also not a big powerhouse program. And when you see a fifth-round pick converted receiver with just incredible athletic numbers, at least to me, I thought, okay, you know, this guy's probably a little raw and takes some time development but has a lot of upside. But he, he's been anything but raw out in camp. He's looked great. He looks like he could start if they ask him to. We don't know for sure yet what they're going to do out there. And, there's some injury concerns at that position, but he's just had a fantastic camp, a great preseason, and looks, you know, a lot more polished than I think a lot of us thought we would just when you get, you because know, you, you look at the height and the speed, and then you see the fifth round pick, you kind of go, okay, what's the, you know, what's the flaw there? There's got to be yeah. something for a guy who runs a 4.26 at 6.4 to last till the fifth round, but he's looking like a great pickup and just kind of the overall theme I, I'm coming out of this camp with is there's a lot of rookies who are going to contribute right away. This class could be pretty special. Well, and you've got nine first year players on the roster, at least after initial cuts were made on that one. And I think with Woolen, we heard something similar from Charles Crass. Some of it is being, um, I don't want to say unaware or um, naive, but you're just not as aware of the name that's lining up against you, you don't care, right? You're just going out there to play football. So you're not phased by guys that have time in the league. You don't know who to be intimidated by because you're just out there playing football. And I think that's probably the best way to go about it, especially when you look down the road and you see the opponents these guys are going to be facing every week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think sometimes to your point, you know, like Pete Carroll said with with uh, Cross going up against Quinn, sometimes the the less these guys have to think about and just go kind of do your job, it's great. But, yeah, it's, you know, the, whoever's out there at cornerback, whether it's Wallen or some of the veteran guys or Kobe Bryant, they, they will get tested often in this league and especially in the NFC West that has a lot of great receivers. Let's stay with that DB group because I think Kobe Bryant was always expected to be a key contributor. I'm not sure that we anticipated he would contribute like this, not at the nickelback position, not looking as smooth as he is. I mean, I know that he played opposite Sauce Gardner, but John, there's got to be something about his game that surprised you too. Yeah, you know, he's a guy coming in that was really, you know, you, you kind of look at, you watch him play in practice a few days, you look at the accolades coming out of college, you're like, wait, why was this guy a fourth-round pick again? You know, he's wins an award as the best DB in college football and, and comes out to camp and starts playing like it. So um, not a ton of surprise me other than just maybe how fast he looked like he belonged out there. Uh, and then the move to, to nickel was interesting because he was a guy who was having a lot of success outside, but they like his versatility, his kind of ball skills, playmaking ability, as Pete Carroll has mentioned, it, there's kind of more action in the slot, just more ways to be around the ball. So could be a really interesting fit. We'll see what happens there, you know, going into week one, who's who's on the field at that nickel spot. But, you know, long-term, he looks like a guy who could help them in a lot of different spots. And I think just in general, with both those corners they drafted, they look like guys who may be around and be big parts of this defense for a long time. Well, and when we talked to Kobe before that final preseason game, and I asked what made him good in that nickel spot, and he said, I have always been a guy who has been able to find the ball on the field, so this suits my skills perfectly, which is why Pete Carroll has no qualms about putting him out there in this position. Kobe's ready to play. Yeah, he, he he'll at this stage he can, he can only be as ready as he is, but he, he can play for us and and uh, and we'll, we would expect him to make things happen and do do good stuff just like he does when he plays football. You know, so he's it's like it's not new to him anymore, and then he's comfortable with it. But he'll get a lot better. You know, he'll he'll be able to take advantage of the calls and the looks and disguises and all that kind of stuff as he grows with it.
One of the things, though, that that means for Kobe, if that's the spot that he's going to play, is that there was going to be an odd man out in that room. And the competition was stiff there all preseason. But, John, a little bit of a surprise when you hear that Marquise Blair doesn't make the team. Think about a couple of years ago at training camp, how high they were on him. And that was a position that we had seen him play. We'd seen him play at Nickel. We'd, we'd seen him play in lots of different spots back there. Uh, and that one was one I, I did not see coming. But maybe I should have given how well Kobe played. Yeah, it, it's tough for Marquise. I mean, as you mentioned, in that 2020 training camp before the injuries, he he was one of the very best players out there. He They moved him to that nickel role. And really, you know, I go back and you look at what we're all writing about in that camp, and it was kind of the stars of camp were Jamal, who had just gotten there, Marquise Blair, and DK Metcalf. And he goes out, wins that nickel job, looks like he's going to be a huge playmaker, and then blows his knee. Works his way back. He's competing for that spot again last year and unfortunately has another season-ending knee injury. So just really tough to get back from that when you miss almost two seasons with injury. And, you know, there's they still really like him. He's, you know, really good competitor and showed some things. And I think the way Pete Carroll explained it is they, they hope for his sake that this is a chance for him to go somewhere where he's not behind two Pro Bowl safeties on the depth chart and maybe has a chance to, to earn more playing time somewhere. Yeah, and I think that COVID year, that, you know, the injury absolutely makes a difference. But I think you're going to see transition across the league in the next couple of years because of how 20 and 21 played out for a lot of people. In fact, John, when you looked at just kind of cuts that were made around the NFL in the last week, we did see some guys that for whatever reason couldn't actually make that transition as well as they expected. I don't think that this is unusual. And I think Pete talking about it being a fresh start, John, is what you're going to hear from a lot of guys. Yeah, you know, it's just this league. I mean, this week is tough on a lot of guys. A lot, you know, it's, it's hard on the guys making the decisions, but it's even harder on the players whose lives are upended. Their careers are are changed sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better. And you just hope for a guy like Marquise and really anybody who's let go that they find a better situation where where they can bounce back. And you know, I I think he's still got a lot of good football in him if he's fully healthy. And you know, maybe he needs a little more time to get all the way back from those knee injuries, but. You're right. This is a guy that, you know, it's been a tough couple of years for him and it doesn't help when COVID's messing up the off season and all those things. So you just wish the best for him that he, he bounces back strong. So the breakdown of the roster, it's about 50, 50, right? Offensive and defensive players and uh, nine offensive linemen taken. That was the one taken. Excuse me. What am I talking about? The draft? No, I'm talking about draft picks that ended up making the team get with it today, Jen. Um, nine offensive linemen. Is that good, bad, average? What does that say about D. Lou? How do we feel about those positions? Yeah, I mean, nine's a pretty average. You know, most teams, I fear, or at least I shouldn't say most teams, but the Seahawks, I would say more often than not, have carried nine or ten. To me, carrying nine is good news because you, if you were really worried about Damian Lewis's ankle keeping him out a long time, you might have kept a tenth guy, another interior lineman. Um, you know, a couple guys are a little banged up. Jake Curran was dealing with a little something, but Pete Carroll said that shouldn't keep him out. So I think going in with nine shows some confidence that you'll be pretty healthy. I mean, you don't need all nine to dress the first week, so that doesn't necessarily mean Damian Lewis is available week one. But again, I think if you were concerned about him missing multiple weeks, you might add another guy there. Uh, overall with that group, I mean, I just keep going back to the rookie tackles. I, you know, it's 
we're we're basing this off preseason. I'm probably getting way yep. ahead of myself, but it sure looks like they might have nailed both tackle spots with two picks in the first three rounds. And if you do that, the way that can set you up for the future yep. is pretty incredible. So that's you know we we've talked a lot about the DBs and the receivers because those positions are you know stand out a little more in training camp, but. Man, if you got both those tackle spots right and got some long-term starters, that is a huge, huge piece of your future. Well, and everybody expected Charles Cross to be that guy. Yeah. When you were the first-round pick, you expect that. Abe Lucas was a little bit more of a question mark given the offensive style that he had played at Washington State. And I would say this. I don't think he has shown um, any drop-off in his ability to run block, but it's his attitude. I mean, you've talked to him a number of times, just like I have. I mean, he's just... He's got the right attitude. He's got the right mentality. In fact, I think kind of any of those rookies and young guys across the offensive line, yeah. they just sound like they belong there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got that perfect, like, uh, you know, not even tackle mentality, but you, you think of the right tackle as the more physical guy, and that's him. He's just, he's kind of low-key, but he's got a little dry sense of humor. You know, we found out, talking to him in his press conference, he, he listens to, you know, metal and hard rock. He's just, he fits the mold perfectly, and, to your point, a lot of us were like, okay, he played in all these air raid offense systems and he's going to be a great pass blocker, but can he run block? And then all he does out in the pre- in the preseason is go out and just pancake dudes in the run yeah. game. So, yeah, again, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We don't even know for sure he's starting week one. Pete Carroll's still leaving that open and Jake Curran's still in the running. But I think long-term you got a really good player in the third round. Well, yes, and every offensive lineman will tell you they want to run block because every single one of them wants to move forward. Nobody wants to move backwards. They all want to use their leverage to move forward. I'm going to trust the big guys up front with that, that, that weight, that muscle, that power moving forward. Just going to say that before we get to the other piece of news that has come out in the last week regarding the quarterback situation, what happens when you cut Freddie Swain is that your punt returner from last season is not going to be back there. My thoughts after watching the preseason is that DJ Dallas could be back there. But, John, I don't know if you dove into this any more than I have. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, we saw DJ still returning kicks. Pete Carroll mentioned the fact that they saw D. Eskridge do it a couple times in the preseason mm-hmm. game was really big for their confidence in him. I, I don't think they want a guy going out there taking over that job who hasn't done it in a game. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. They got two more weeks to sort this all out, but I would think D. Eskridge could very well end up being that guy in the punt job and D, uh, Dallas probably keeping the kick return job. But, uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit to figure out still, but that was, you know, a big part of letting Freddie Swain go. It wasn't just a receiver in your depth there. You're also letting go of the guy you trusted to return punts for the last couple of years. I would say DJ would not necessarily mind it when we talked to him about a week ago. He called it, the hardest play in football because it's the longest play in football, right? Just time of the kick and the coverage and the return. But he also said it can be the most fun when it is set up correctly. So I wouldn't mind pulling double duty back there. One of the pieces of news we were waiting for all training camp was the week one starter at quarterback QB one. Pete Carroll made the announcement following the game against Dallas. And I think given the way things played out, probably not much of a surprise. Gina was solid in his, his outing, and and, uh, and Gina's going to start. You know that he's going to start the, the opener, and and uh, he's 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 earned it. Uh, he's won the job uh, with the time and the time frames that got messed up for us. For Drew, Drew did just didn't he just ran out of time in making his bid for it. And uh, so I mean I'm clear about that. So I just want to let you know, so everybody knows, and so you don't have to ask about it anymore. 
Yeah, you know, I was I, I don't think any of us surprised that Geno Smith ended up winning the job. I was a little surprised Pete came out and told us then. I thought they mm-hmm. might want to slow play that news a little bit just because they could. But there is some value, you know, whatever value there is in keeping your opponent in the dark, I think there's also value in kind of getting the team to rally behind one guy, getting that news out there, kind of publicly backing him. But, yeah, I mean, Geno was really just solid, knew what he was doing throughout camp, took care of the ball, which is big, um, you know, it, a lot better than his numbers in the preseason just because the CX unfortunately had some drop issues. But it, it is unfortunate for Drew Locke the way the COVID thing hit that it was right in his chance to kind of show what he could do. He was going to start that Chicago game. So it'll be, you know, I don't think we've seen the last of Drew Locke. You know, injuries can happen. Things can happen that he might get a shot. But Gino is just strong throughout camp, and, and he earned that role. So uh, he's going to be the guy, and they have a lot of faith in him. Well, and a couple of things there. When you think about who is going to be quarterback, number one, those numbers and those drops, we saw Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on the field for, I think, a total of nine snaps. I think Tyler played six. I think DK played three. We didn't see Marquise out there. Now, I'm not going to make excuse for the young guys. You have to catch the ball if your hands are going to get anywhere on it. But those numbers were skewed a little bit. And two, we're not looking for the... Russell Wilson exact replacement, right? You're going to ask Gino to do different things in this offense than you asked Russell. We saw that when Gino had to play for Russ last year. So, you know, as you kind of think about how this plays out, understand that it all looks a little bit different. And we are still a couple weeks away from that first matchup. The Hawks open week one, September 12th against the Broncos at home. We will devote an entire podcast episode to that, of course. The first road game is week two in San Francisco. Talk about some intriguing quarterback storylines there the first couple of weeks. And we could also talk about travel, including a few words from our sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. And the Seahawks really will be traveling the world this year with a trip to Munich planned, which is why, John, I had to alter the question that I was going to ask you today because I thought the answer was so obvious. I love planning out road trips. I love planning out what I'm going to do. You know this. You have traveled with me for a number of years. Um, Top two road trips you are looking for this season because, again, I think the number one trip is obvious. Yeah, I mean, I I think Munich is going to be a special trip. We don't go there ever in the first NFL game there, so that's the easy winner. I mean, I got to go New Orleans. It's kind of a cliche answer when you're talking about NFL cities, but food the music it's the culture there it's just an awesome city to visit so you know some of the cities we see every year in the division are great you know it's fun to go to LA Bay Area get some nice sun in the desert when it's cold here but yeah I'd I'd have to go to New Orleans for sure for that trip I knew you were going to do that that was my initial reaction too no I know every every road trip we're like what are we going to eat that's like the first conversation so New Orleans is hard to beat for food. Well, there's two. Actually, actually, I'm going to put another one up there. There's two things I need to know when I'm packing for a road trip. 
what are we going to eat and how big is my suitcase? As in how many clothes do I have to pack for the sidelines? What the, what's the weather gonna be? And I hesitate to say this, but Kansas City around Christmas is kind of fun. Now I'm gonna freeze my gonna, patootie I'll off be, of the I'll be good in the press box. However, <laughs> however, I have seen that city all lit up for Christmas. It's really fun to go on the road in December and see kind of the Christmas displays everywhere else. People are in a good mood. Maybe we'll find a Christmas bar. Um, I'm absolutely going to freeze. But if I have eaten enough barbecue the night before, perhaps <laughs> I will have packed on enough weight to help me there you stay go. warm on the sidelines. I, like I know. It. It's hard to beat that barbecue there. It really is. It really is. And I'm not even upset that we got beach time taken away in Tampa because we're going to be in Munich. No. That's uh yeah, I can I can make that trade. Tampa's great. I enjoy the weather, but can't beat a trip to Germany. I can't wait for our conversations leading up to that one. That was that one's going to be We're going to do an entire podcast in German, so get ready. I did not sign up for that one. Okay, fine. That one could be a very <laughs> short My high school podcast. German will definitely work. Great. I'm glad that this is all working out. I feel like we're spiraling out yes. of control towards the Put end. Us out of our John misery, is Jen. telling me that he is going to be talking German. I tell you what, we are going to be talking about that week one matchup when we come back next week with a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insiders podcast. Thanks for listening.